Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. We're so grateful you guys uh, are with us today. If you just heard that question, what's the best Halloween candy? It's definitely candy corn, uh, 100%. Uh, <laughs> hey, our hope and prayer is that this become a home for you, uh, whether you're in person or you're in the courtyard, or whether you're joining us online, and we're grateful to have you. And uh, our hope is that this will become a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, one of the ways that we allow people to build that community and grow in their faith or uh, through different events and opportunities, we just had a women's conference this weekend, and a bunch of you went to that, and we had a men's retreat a few weeks ago. And our goal is to uh, uh, help facilitate uh, continuing to build that community. So for our men, uh, we have a men's breakfast coming up this Saturday. So if you're interested in that, man, we'd love to have you. It's going to be at our ministry center, which is downtown Castle Rock. You can go to frontrange.org for more information, or you can scan the QR code that's found in your worship guide. For more information, there'll be food. Uh, we're going to hang out. There's, you don't need to bring anything or do anything. Just come, uh, show up as you are. We'd love to have you there. Uh, today, we're going to continue the series that we've called In God We Trust, where we're looking at this idea of how do we trust God? Uh, last week we talked about how difficult it can be at times to trust him. And I think we're, we all recognize that this is a season of discord and disunity. How many of you would agree with that? That in our culture there's a lot of discord and disunity. And anytime there is, we long to, to know if we can trust somebody. We long to place our trust in something or in someone. And uh, in, in this cultural moment that we find ourselves, this series is going to cut through the noise and we're going to look at practically how do we trust in the one who is trustworthy? How do we trust, trust in God and what he has for you and I? Today we're going to look at this idea of being under God. You know, even in the Pledge of Allegiance, it says one nation under God. What does that mean? What does it mean to be under God? Not necessarily as a nation. What does it mean to be under God as individuals? If you have your Bible, we're going to jump straight in. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Here's what it says. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. What does it mean to be under his hand? What does it mean to be under God? It means to be influenced by him. That you're more influenced by God and the values of God and the word of God and the things of God than you are of the things of culture and the things of this world. And this passage says that it starts with humility. And one way that I believe that we can display humility and have humility is by prayer. So we're going to start this whole conversation off uh, with prayer and asking God to speak to us. So let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you call us to be under you. To be, to be submitted to you, God, to allow our lives to be influenced by you and you alone. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. Help us to know what is ours to change and to do differently. How do we submit to you in different ways, God? How do we become more influenced by you, Father, rather than the things in our culture and in of our world? Father, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So it says, submit yourselves under God's mighty hand. What does it mean to be under God? How are we to be influenced by God? Well, before we discuss that, let's kind of take a, a, a self-assessment of like where we are currently. So think about a scale, a scale of 1 to 10. Who are you influenced by? 10 being God. So you're under God. You're submitted to God. You're influenced by God and his word and what he says and his values. So 10 would be, man, I'm fully submitted under God. That would be pretty perfect. And one would be the world and culture, 
the things of this world, where would you fall on that spectrum? Would you be more a one or two or three? Would you be more an eight, a nine, a ten, or somewhere in the middle? I, I, I think about for my own life, I was, um, I, I was at a Georgia game one time uh, watching them beat up on another college team. You know, it's pretty normal now. Uh, but when I was at the game, before the game started, I was outside, and this was in the south. Um, and in the south, there's uh, very different people than there are in some other places. And I'm from the south, so I can say that. Uh, and there was uh, two guys, and they had these um, uh, huge billboards, like, on their bodies, and they were holding stands, and they had a, a megaphone with a massive speaker. And they were yelling at all of us, telling us that we were all going to hell. I'm like, man, I'm going to hell. I had no clue. Like, why am I, are you like Alabama fans? Like, is that why I'm going to hell? Because I'm a Georgia fan? Like, what, what's going on? And they started telling us we're going to hell because we were at a football game. Because we were worshiping God's creation rather than the creator. That because we were enjoying some type of entertainment that we clearly didn't love God. So for me, on that scale of 1 to 10, those guys would probably put me at like a negative 40 or something like that. Where are you? Think about different areas of your life. Like with entertainment, with what you watch, what you listen to, what you read. Would you say that you're submitted to God, that you're under the influence of God, that those things would be glorifying to God? Or would you say it's more on the cultural side of things? You're more submitted to that. How about with your finances? Like when you get a, a raise or when you get a bonus or something like that and you think about, man, where am I going to use this money? Are you under God? Are you influenced by him and, and go, okay, God, where do you want me to put this? Or are you more influenced by the world thinking, man, I'm not even sure I'm going to give to God, but if I do, it's going to be after everything else is left over, after what I want to do. Think about your words. I just take the last week of your life. Think about the words that you've spoken. Would you say that your words are more under God, more influenced by God, that your words would bring him honor and glory and, and they're uplifting to others? Or would you say that maybe my words are a little bit more aligned with culture, that, that maybe I find myself it's easier to gossip, uh, it's easier to, to be angry at my kids or my spouse or something like that. Would you find yourself more culturally influenced or more godly Influence. Here's what's sad. Many times we don't know that we're under the influence of culture. Many times we don't even know that we're under the influence of culture. A great example is how many of you have ever seen a drunk person and they didn't know they were drunk? You ever seen that person before? Right? Like we've all seen that person. You're like, maybe it was yesterday at Oktoberfest. Some of y'all are like, oh, there's a lot of those people right now. And like in that moment, they don't even know they're drunk. They're like, I'm fine. You know, I'm totally fine. You know, that type of thing. I, I wonder if us, when it comes to influence and what's influencing our lives, if we are being influenced by culture, if we're being intoxicated by culture and we don't even know it. Today we're going to look at a few passages, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the passages that were written by this guy named Paul. And Paul, um, uh, he is one of the greatest missionaries, church planners. He wrote a huge portion of the New Testament, but he didn't start off by being a follower of Jesus. In fact, he was a persecutor of Christians. He killed Christians for their faith because he felt like they were attacking his own faith at that time. He had this miraculous encounter with God. He gave his life over to Christ. He began to start churches all throughout the Roman Empire. And so he began writing these letters that we now read today. And he's writing these letters because he sees this increasingly hostile world. 
Like there's this world that is, that is against God and, and he sees that like Christians were beginning to slip into that and that we're really no different than the rest of the world, that, that we have this unity amongst ourselves, we, we have this unity amongst us and the rest of the world. Like we don't look like we're set apart as God calls us to be. And so he writes these letters and he, he says things like the world is going to try and deceive you. Like you're, you're, there's going to be small deceptions along the way, and one day you'll wake up and you'll realize, man, I'm really far from Christ. Or you can't halfway follow Jesus. There's no like halfway in and halfway out. Like, like it's like working out. You can't work out one, one day a month and expect to like be fit and in shape and all of that. He's saying, man, that, you can't do that spiritually. And so he talks about how following Christ is like this journey, and this journey is uh, the more we follow Jesus, the more we're influenced by the things of God, the more we're influenced by his word and less influenced by culture. The more we become like God, the closer we become to him and not like everyone else. So Paul writes these words to teach people back then and to teach us today how do we live under God in an increasingly hostile culture. How do we live under God in an increasingly hostile culture? Let me give you four steps to take. Number one, know that opposition is coming. Know that opposition is coming. You know, it's interesting to me that we get surprised when we see bad things happen in our world. Like we see things that happen, we're like, wow, man, the world is like really going downhill. Like it's getting worse and worse every day. And I'm like, is, like, like why, why would we be surprised by that? Like, is it really that shocking that things are getting worse? I mean, look at, look at what Paul says in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Super encouraging. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I read that verse to my kids every day. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. We shouldn't be shocked by the evil in this world. We shouldn't be shocked like, and this world keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I think back in the, in the days when Paul's writing this, the, the, the culture they lived in was probably way worse than what we're experiencing right now. And yet that's just the way it is. Like, and in the end times, it gets even worse. Are we in the end times? I don't know, but it's getting pretty bad. And we shouldn't be shocked. we got to know that opposition is coming. You have an enemy to your soul, and he's the one that influences culture. Our fight is not against culture. Our fight is not against people. Our fight is against the enemy. It's against Satan, who's coming at you constantly, who is fighting you constantly, who's trying to get you to remove yourself from following Jesus and be distracted by the rest of the world. He is your enemy, and you have to know that the opposition is coming. If you don't, you'll never win. Right, like we can't, like you can't, imagine going into like a, a fight or a battle or a war and not being prepared. There's no way you win. And so it's no shock that so many of us as followers of Jesus feel like we're losing on a daily basis because we don't know that the opposition, it's, it's here and it's coming in even greater forms. 
So if you and I, if we want to be under God, if we want to be submitted to God in a, in a very real way on an everyday basis, we have to know that in the enemy of our soul, he despises you and he will continue to attack you, will continue to do what he can in culture to get you to leave your relationship with the Lord. So you got to know the opposition is here, it's coming. What do we do next? We build a firm foundation. You've got to build a firm foundation. A firm foundation will allow you to withstand the trials and the temptations, the challenges, and the pain. I love what Paul says to the church in Rome. The, this church is tested through persecution. There's lots of disunity. Uh, there's lots of temptation to live under culture. And here's what he says, Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love the, uh, the, the way that uh, another version, the message says it, it paraphrases it, and it says it this way. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Paul says, do not be conformed. Do not become so well-adjusted to your culture. Do not be under its influence. Do not be intoxicated by the world, but be what? Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You renew your mind through God's word. This is really the only way that you change how you think. You change your upbringing. You change what culture tells you. Is by reading this. Is by getting into this. Is by studying this. This is why coming to church is so important and, and hearing scripture, being taught and, and, and being dissected. It's why being a community group is so important because you read and you study and you talk about scripture. It's why reading the Bible on your own, man, if you need one, we have them. Go to our connection tent before you, you head out to your car right there on the, on the right side. Blue tent, go there. We'll get you a Bible. Download the Bible app. There's all kinds of ways, but this is why it's so important to read God's word. Because there's no way that you can be transformed. There's no way that your mind can be renewed without the word of God. And the word of God gives you that firm foundation. You got to know the opposition is here and it's coming. You got to build a firm foundation on God's word. Next step, you got to stay connected to the community of believers. Stay connected to the community of believers. God never created us to be lone rangers. He never created us to do life on our own. In fact, we read throughout scripture, we see throughout scripture that real life transformation only happens in the context of relationships. That's the only place that true life transformation happens is in the context of relationships with other believers. A relationship with God first, obviously, and then a relationship with others. A true community has to, has to happen. You have to have this, 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 these people around you that care about you and, and care about the direction that you're heading. You can have the, the firm foundation and you can, you can know that opposition's coming, but you need other people in your life to hold you up. I love what this passage says in uh, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. It says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I'm going to kind of demonstrate this for you, okay? Uh, Vance, come on up here. Johnny, come up here. Aaron, mind coming up here. Y'all three come up here real quick. Uh, I'm going to demonstrate kind of the, the principle of this. Vance, come on over here. I love that you're still wearing a Broncos shirt. Always. 
I think I, I think I burned mine last week. <laughs> I'm no longer a fan. Yes, you are. I am, actually. <laughs> okay, so this is Vance right here. And Vance, it's pretty easy to push you, Vance. Yeah. All right, so Vance, I need you to stand here. I need you to know that I'm about to push you. Okay. So you might want to face me. Yep. Get a little foundation going on. Guys, you come right here, and y'all make sure that the Vance is going to be good to go. Gotcha. You ready? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not moving you. Why? Because you know it's coming. You have the firm foundation, and you have others in your life. Thanks, Vance. Get off of here. You Broncos fan. Keep wearing that shirt. Always. That's the only way that it works for you not to be moved. Culture is going to come at you. The challenges of life are going to come at you. But when you know it's going to come and you build a firm foundation, you have others around you. I mean, I think about Paul's writings. And Paul would have no understanding, no context for how you and I typically read the Bible today. You and I, we typically read the Bible on our own. If you read the Bible, you probably do it at some point at your house or, you know, wherever. In your car, you might listen to it or something. Paul would have no context for that, no understanding. Why? Because every one of the letters that he wrote, he wrote to individuals who were living in the context of community. He wrote it to a group of people, to individuals, but a group of individuals. And so this, this letter would be written, I mean, it would be read to the group, not as an individual saying, can I take this home for a couple hours? Can I, can I go study this on my own? Like Paul would have no context for that happening. Why? Because God wrote it through him to individuals that were living in community. That's why community is so important to us here at Front Range. That's why we talk about community all the time. That's why we had a, a women's conference. That's why we have men's retreats. That's why we have men's breakfast. That's why we do ladies' nights. That's why we have community groups and classes and all that. It's also why we have serve opportunities. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of reasons that we could present serving opportunities. And most people think, oh, it's because you need people to do things and stuff like that. Of course, the church has needs. Like, in your own house, you have needs. When I get home today, my kids are going to be taking out the trash. Right? Why? Because there's too much of it right now, and they need to do something with their lives. Right? Like, so there's always needs in the house. There's needs in a church home as well. Right? And so we, of course, always need people to do something, but as a church, we've always said it's not about what we need or want from you. It's about what we want, what we want for you. And as a part of serving, you're in community. And so we have some tents outside today, and we want to give you an opportunity. Also, one of these cards is on every other seat, and you can take a look at uh, the opportunities that we have. And if you're not currently serving, I would encourage you, man, please get engaged. Please get involved. Like our serve teams are not just people who are just showing up doing things. They're, they're, they're hopefully building community with one another. They're praying for one another. They're getting to know each other's days. We've got a group of ladies that come in on Monday to do our, our kids' ministry stuff. And, man, I love walking into our ministry center just seeing these ladies because they're just talking about life. They're like doing life together and, and caring for one another while they're serving at the same time. Or like walking in and watching our, our tech crew in the back and they're all circling around, hey, what can we be praying for? And they pray for one another before we get going. Like that's community. So it's not just about like what can you do for the church. It's about, man, engaging in such a way that you have people around you that can hold you up. That can encourage you. That can serve you. That can pray for you. That can be there for you in the trials of life. If you're not currently serving, man, check out this card. See the different areas that that might interest you, and then 
You can either uh, scan the QR code on your worship guide. You can fill this out and drop it in the offering boxes. Or you can go by one of the tents. And you can drop this off at the tent. Or you can talk to somebody and find out more information. But if you're not currently serving, please do so. Not because it benefits us, but because it benefits you. Because it benefits you. If you're serving somewhere and you're like, ah, it's not the best place for me, let's find a better place. Right? Because, again, it's not about what we need from you. It's about what we want for you. And so if you're not currently serving, do so. Why? Because community is essential. It's essential. So you have to know that opposition is coming. you got to build a firm foundation. you got to stay connected to the community of believers. And then lastly, you've got to make predetermined decisions to live under God. You have to make predetermined decisions every day to live under the influence of God. I love this passage in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And um, uh, this church, man, it was messed up, like really messed up, like one of the most messed up churches in history of churches. These people had all kinds of issues, sexual issues, disunity issues, like all kinds of problems. And here's what Paul says to them. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let nothing move you. What about when the markets crash? Let nothing move you. What about when I lose my job? Let nothing move you. What about when this group of people get elected or that group of people get elected? Let nothing move you. What about when I get sick? Let nothing move you. Decide now what you will do. Decide now how you will respond to situations that come up. Decide now how you'll be influenced and who you'll be influenced by. Because if you don't, in the moment, you probably won't be, the decision probably won't be to be influenced by God. In any given moment, in any given situation, you have to decide now. Sometimes we say, well, when that moment comes up, I'll just pray and however God leads me. My response to that is, you don't have to pray about something God's already told you. Like in almost everything that we deal with in culture, God's already told us. Like you don't have to say, man, oh, what, what does God want me to do with this neighbor that like I just can't stand? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, but you don't know my neighbor. You don't know the situation. God's like, I don't think I said that. I don't think I added a caveat to that. What, what should I do financially? Like, I mean, I got this extra, extra amount. I, I got this extra income that came in. Like, what should I do with that? Like, should I, should I pay for this streaming service or should we go take this trip or whatever? God, what, what do you want us to do? God's like, I already told you what to do. Like, first be generous with it. First give back to me. Not because the church needs it. Not because God needs it. But because I'm calling you to trust in me. And then you can decide what you want to do with it. Oh, sexually pure. Should I, should I be sexually pure, God? And God's like, like that's a no-brainer. Like, you can look at culture and you can look at, well, it might not hurt you or it might not impact you or you don't think it impacts you and all of that. And God's like, man, I know how this thing ends. It doesn't end well. And what does God say to you and I about the areas of our life, about speaking words of life, about caring for people, about how to show up, how to show up to church, how to show up to community group, how to serve others. Like, what does God say to us? It's already written down.
He already calls us to live. The question is, will we predetermine now how we will respond to the situations that come at us later? Decide now what you'll do, not because it's easy, not because it's popular, because it's what God has called us to do. Because we wanna be influenced by God. You see, in culture, people typically respond in one or two ways especially followers of Jesus, we usually respond in one of two ways. Usually we think, oh, it's, it's all bad, and you run from it. You isolate from it. I've seen that so many times. I've seen so many people move away from this place. And when I, when I go, well, why are you moving? It's, it's too dark here. Like it's too, it's too far left, or it's too whatever. And I'm like, man, that's, in my opinion, I don't believe that's what God calls us to do, is to run. But then when you look at culture, the other way that typically we respond is we just accept it as good. This is the latest show, this is the latest trend, this is the latest belief, whatever it may be, and man, let's just receive it. And Jesus says that the right way is neither one of those two. Because when everything is bad, you isolate yourself and you have to ask, man, how do I be a light in the midst of the darkness if I'm running from darkness? Like as a church, we want to run into the darkness, which is scary and weird and hard and all of that, but we don't want to shrink back. Like as a church, I don't want a shrinking back like, oh, everything is so bad. Like, let's just remove ourselves from culture. No, I want us to step into the darkness because the only way that darkness is snuffed out is by light. And if you have Jesus, you are the light of the world. And so we step in. The other way to respond also is not what God calls us to do, and that's just to receive everything, to just believe everything, to just accept everything. With that, like, how do we look different? How does the rest of the world who longs for hope and longs for something different look at us and go, you have the answer, if we're not living like we have the answer? So decide now that to be under God, to be influenced by God, I'm going to know that opposition is going to come. I'm going to build my foundation on God's word and God's word alone. I'm going to live in community with other believers, and I'm going to predetermine now how I'll respond with things that come at me so that ultimately we can live out 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you've called us to do, God. We got how you long for us to be a light in the midst of the darkness, how you long for us to be set apart, to be holy for you are holy. And yet in our culture, God, it is so challenging, so difficult. God, we're tempted to go in different directions. We're tempted to believe certain things. We're tempted to vote certain ways. We're tempted to, to just accept stuff. We're tempted to watch certain things. God, our culture just, there's so much temptation and there's so much pressure on us to do certain things. God, may we care less about the influence of culture, the influence of others, and may we care more about being influenced by you. That we care more about what your word says and how you call us to live. Because when we're living for you, God, when we're submitted to you, when we're under your mighty hand, we can run boldly into the darkness and not shrink back in fear. 
But as we step into that darkness, we don't become like it. We're set apart. We continue to seek to be holy for you are holy so that others can look at our lives and go, man, there's something different about you. There's something different about how you live your life. And I want that. So I pray, Father, that you would help us to be influenced by you and you alone. And, Father, we know that this whole conversation really starts with us first giving our life over to you, of trusting in you, Jesus. What you did on the cross was enough. And every week, God, we have people who come into this place, people who are watching online that were to be real honest, we'd say, man, I'm far from the Lord right now. Maybe you came into this place wondering if God even sees you, if God still loves you. God even knows your name. And he brought you here. He does see you. He does know your name and he loves you deeply. So much so that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be in a right relationship with God. So if that's you and you want to make that decision today, you want to accept Christ, you want to recommit your life to Christ, you want to say, hey, God, I want to come home today. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Father, thank you. Those of you watching online, you just simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. God sees you. He knows your name. He knows what you're walking through right now. He sent his son to die for you. You can't be forgiven so you can be made new. Father, we thank you for that. Father, for all of us, tell us what our next steps are. God, it's so difficult to be different in our culture. It's so difficult to not go with the rest of the crowd or what people say is acceptable. God, may we do it because that's what you call us to do. May we do it because we know that's the life that you've called us to live, to be different. So that one, we bring you the honor and glory that you deserve, and two, People will be attracted to you because of our lives. People will be drawn to you because of the way that we live different and set apart. God, tell us what we're to do now in Jesus' name.